0: It's time for another high-flying episode of the Brother Trucker Book Club podcast with your host, Graham Bradley. This is episode 19, The Solar Neighborhood. I cannot recall how I came across both of the books slash book series that we're going to talk about today. I think they were like advertisements I saw you know when I was on one of the... Uh, the big name websites that deal with books in print and audio that don't advertise on my show, so I'm not going to give them a whole lot of free airspace. It's Amazon and Audible. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, this first book is, uh, I actually don't remember the name of the author, so I'm going to look it up here in real time. The, the actual clicks are what you guys tune in for. Uh, the series is called Hard Luck Hank, and I think there are six or seven of them out now. The first book is called Screw the Galaxy. Uh, when I came across that title, I told it to my wife, and she thought that um, it was a, a book series that I was working on, just because it was so you know weird and wonky and out there, and you know really had the air of don't give a crap. The author's name is Stephen Campbell, Stephen with a V, uh, and it's it's set in the future. It's it's what you'd call a, a space opera, I guess. Um, it's just this completely demented. Bent premise, but at the same time, Stephen Campbell does a good job of you know following his own rules with it and and uh approaching it with as much seriousness as he has to in order for it to be you know a competent novel, but he doesn't take it too far beyond that. The premise is that there's a space station called Bellvale uh at an indetermined location relative to Earth. Most of the people there are human. This is a galaxy where they found aliens. It's kind of a Star Wars light. But there are also like humans who are, are mutants, and they are on a scale of you know level 1 to level 10, uh, although the level 10s are ultra rare. And the titular character Hank is a level 4, and he is completely physically indestructible. Um, I don't remember really recall if he's got like a super strength element to him. like he is pretty strong, but the fact that he's indestructible is his main strength. But Stephen Campbell kind of focuses on uh, not everything that can go wrong, but definitely the the, the tangible downsides of this kind of power. So uh, Bellvale is sort of like a big boxy moss isley out in space floating on its own, sort of ignored sort of a crossroads of the galaxy and uh, there are gangs on Bellvale and Hank is an enforcer at some of these for some of these gangs he he does negotiations and stuff and these gangs hire him because he can take word from gang A over to gang B and they can't just shoot him they have to hear him out you know especially because the as the joke says if they shoot him in the face and he keeps on talking what good is it um, but the fact that he's indestructible also causes like his clothes to tear a lot and stuff and uh He's, he's got a couple of weapons that he keeps on him and and as bigger and bigger players come into the space station Belvale, and uh, more and more crazy stuff is going on, he finds himself at the center of it. One thing leads to another and somehow like a, a level 10 mutant ends up on Bellvale and he's chased by this gigantic alien entity and, and Hank ends up having to be the negotiator with this entity because they understand that Hank is the negotiator at Bellevale. Uh, it was really funny, really wacky. I enjoyed the first three. I got to the fourth one and it started to to kind of lose its edge. Um, not that Campbell was really like running out of things to do with it. It just, it was, it was losing a bit of its freshness. You know, any, any gimmick can run out of steam at some point, but there are, you know, future volumes that I've read about that I might get into later where, you know, Hank becomes a gladiator and stuff. Um, one of the common themes that ends up in, in future books that happen after the first one, which is exactly what a future book would be, obviously, uh, is that you know bigger power players come in and uh, there's kind of a real estate boom. People come in and start buying up what apartments there are. Um, the locals kind of get priced out. Hank has to deal with that. Uh, people come in with tougher weapons. Hank has to level up his weaponry. His trusty old shotgun won't cut it anymore. Hank also has to find out uh, the history of his own biology. He finds out he's not exactly 100% human. He's a specific kind of alien, et cetera, et cetera. So he he doesn't like Campbell doesn't write this with any like relevance to our own world. If we're talking about art being the mirror that we hold up to reality, that's an expression that somebody shared recently that uh, has kept running through my head. This isn't one that Campbell's really holding up to our reality. It's just plain fun. And he keeps it consistent. He develops good characters. Um, it's a pretty clean read. There's some like really, really mild, like soft PG-13 in terms of, of action and violence and so forth. Uh, but it's it's a good, fun, just, just brainless read, but it's written really, really well, and Campbell's had a lot of success uh, with it, and deservedly so. Uh, at the same time, the follow-up series, not a follow-up to this one, but the other series that I read that I kind of discovered the same way, uh, is written by Stephen Taylor... No, I lied. Dennis Taylor. Dennis E. Taylor, I think, is his name, not Steven. Uh, and the series is called The Bobiverse. The first book is called We Are Legion, We Are Bob. And it's uh, it's got a a much more like hard science edge to it, such as I am able to understand it. Dennis E. Taylor is the author's name. Um, <laughs> I am just a lowly trucker. I myself am not a hard scientist, but if we're talking about a book that sets things up and then plays consistently within its own rules, then it at least does that. Uh, the premise is that the main character is a guy named Bob, obviously. And in 2014, he and a couple of his buddies who you know, built a company or something, they sell it, they cash out. And uh, Bob is a, like an atheist, secular humanist. He doesn't believe in an afterlife, so he buys this service that will cryogenetically preserve him, cryogenetically preserve him after his death. And uh, he goes out to celebrate with his friends, and then he gets hit by a car. And the next thing he knows, he wakes up, and it's the year 2100-something. He's been on ice for almost 100 years. And uh, the landscape of the United States has drastically changed. Um, some of Taylor's own, I assume, cynicism about your religious folks in general plays into the, the early segment of this story, but it wasn't so heavy-handed that it made it you know, offensive to myself as a Christian to read it. Uh, it's just you know he's he's got his view of you know what would happen in America if we ever elected an openly atheist president there was a revolution and like the really crazy hardline fundy christian christians took over and uh, some subgroup of them that's owned by the government ended up you know seizing control of uh, the cryobank where bob was stored and at this point they've developed a technology that they was able to transfer cryogenetic uh, memories into a, a computer. So Bob wakes up and he's a computer and they're going to use him to be uh, a pilot for a probe to explore the cosmos. And so he he learns how to be a computer and how to exist in a virtual sandbox. And they, they make him into a probe that can go out into space and clone himself. He's able to uh, mine elements from the asteroids and from um, you know distant hard silica objects and, and refine those with you know, little robots that are in his, uh, in his original um, probe. And then he's able to just make copies of himself. And he gives them different names, like instead of Bob 1 or Bob 15 or Bob 283, it's you know, they go by Will or John or Jacob. And, and it was really impressive, especially listening to it in the audio format. Ray Porter does the narration. He's a really good narrator. Uh, it was impressive to hear the distinction between all the various iterations of Bob while at the same time understanding that they're all essentially the same person. And from there, they branch out into the cosmos and he, he does a lot of chapter jumping. You know, you can kind of keep track of who is where based on what star date it is. Some of these guys, as they get farther out into space, they'll end up, you know, 50 years apart from each other as they explore different things and they end up finding planets with life on them. And uh, a lot of what Taylor, I assume, wrote into it is based on, you know, current theories of what will happen on other worlds where we find life that it will, you know, the... the cycle of evolution will have largely paralleled uh, the life forms on earth so it'll start with single cell organisms and then it'll be mostly oceanic life forms and then go from cr- crustaceans and insectoids into uh, amphibians and reptiles and mammals and then larger more complex life forms and so uh, he he finds aliens and he has to figure out some prime directive type stuff like you know, at, at what point do I do I or do I not interfere and and things like that. Uh, there's also a lot of nerd references. There's there's plenty of pop culture stuff. Not necessarily in the way that what's his face did with Ready Player One, where everything was was completely der- derived from pop culture. But you know, there's enough of it to make it amusing and to to kind of keep it grounded in the present for the reader. Because you know, by the time this whole series wraps up, the trilogy, it's it spanned a couple hundred years. And they've gone far and farther out into, uh, into our solar system. But the Bobiverse was an amazingly entertaining trilogy. And what I appreciated most about it, uh, as hero cycles are, are represented in fiction, is the fact that even if a character is going to start out with a certain set of values and a certain mindset, uh, and they get challenged along the way and come back to the same conclusion, at least they were, they were challenged or have, have broadened their understanding of something, you know, character growth is, is crucial in a story that is you know, largely from the point of view of a single character, even if there are dozens and dozens of iterations of him. So it was, it was cool for me to read a, you know, a character whose beliefs and values were, were completely like the polar opposite of my own, but he, he still had his assumptions challenged as he got out into space, which I assume you know, any, any diehard religious person would have to you know, adjust their view of existence Based on things that you know they encounter that are you know completely different from anything that they've ever understood before. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of Star Trek: The Next Generation to that. But uh, final note on that content warning. Um, wouldn't say there's necessarily a, a lot of violence. There are some hostile, uh, feral species that he encounters on some of these planets that have to be dealt with in a certain way. So you know it's like blowing up animals, but you know not the cute and cuddly kind so i I guess that's okay Mm, not uh i think in the entire series there was maybe like three f-bombs but there really wasn't any other language besides so like the first book had one the second had two and i don't think the third had any uh so just you know be aware of that i always do content warnings so those are the books for today hard luck hank screw the galaxy by stephen campbell and we are legion we are bob by dennis e taylor good fun space romps Thanks for checking in everybody. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode and check back Thursday there will be another one. Just drive safe and I will see you out there.